Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is your Faves Faves. Today's episode is for the foodies. Gail Simmons is a Canadian-born culinary expert, food writer, and dynamic television personality. It's very daunting to pick a category. It feels like very permanent. And also, I could do 10, I could do 20. Like to pick just five, I'm very bad at decision making because I always ultimately want to please everybody and make sure everyone's included. That's like my nature, which makes it, these type of things very challenging. So do you, are you ready to hear it? Yes, I'm ready. Yes, please <laughs> I share. didn't know if there was like some sort of, so I chose to do my top five favorite food cities in the world to eat in. Okay, great. Perfect. Perfect. And this is the whole world, not national. I mean, we're going all over the place. Okay. You know, yes, which is why it's hard to pick five. I could have gone national, but I, no, I I like this. This feels fun. I thought it would be a little more interesting and inclusive to, to do the world. (laughs) So one of the questions I always ask is, are you going to give us the list in like order from least favorite to most, or is this just a grab bag? They're in any order. I'm going to say they're in any order. Okay, great. Perfect. Because there's, All right. you know, there's so, different yeah, nuances it's too, to it's each It's too place. hard. And absolutely. What is the first city on your list? So the first city I think of my five best eating cities in the world, in no particular order, but sort of this could be number one, <laughs> is Tokyo. Wow. Okay. I've never been. Tell me everything. Oh, how much time? I mean, that's a podcast in itself. I mean, that's an entire like (laughs) 36 episode arc. Uh, But that's why I chose it. Um, And obviously we can't, you know, I don't want to spend all my time on Tokyo because I have a deep rooted obsession with Japan and with Tokyo as a city. But Tokyo, um, I just think is number one, the culture in Japan, their food culture is so broad and so far reaching and so specific that you cannot walk 20 steps in Tokyo without hitting something that you have to eat. And especially as a tourist and being the enormous city that it is, I mean, it is truly one of the largest cities in the world, millions and millions and millions of people. um, And it is a huge spread out city with nooks and crannies and alleys and corners that, you know, the taxi drivers can't ever even, you know, tell you where every spot is, that there is just endless discovery in Tokyo. And for me, someone who doesn't speak the language, what I love about Tokyo is that it is a city that doesn't rely on English. So for an English speaker, or a romance language speaker, like I actually can speak a few languages. Japanese is not one of them. Uh, you really are at their mercy. And it, it has taught me so much, so many lessons in terms of my eating, just about trust and about mm-hmm. adventure and exploration. And that I think is such a big part of learning to just be a great eater, which in, in turn, I think makes you a great citizen of the world. How old were you when you went there for the first time? The first time I went to Tokyo was on my honeymoon, which was in 2008. Um, And then I went back in 2019. Um, Okay. So 11 years later. Yeah. 
And were you with someone who had been there before and so they could sort of guide you around? Both times a mix. Both times I was with my husband, you know, clearly on my okay. honeymoon, I was, you know, with myself. And then we went back again together in 2019. And on our honeymoon, we weren't with other people, but we were lucky enough to have a few connections that helped us navigate a little bit, which led to some really incredible unexpected serendipitous moments in a city of, I don't know what it is, like 26 million people. I, I don't know how many people are in Tokyo. That's a miscount, but it is a really huge number, like 18 million people. Uh, you know, we did have a few connections that got us started and helped us. And then the second time I went, I was um, met by and guided by for the entire time I was there, um, locals. And wow, was oh, that cool. helpful. But we still insisted on escaping from them once in a while too, because that was more of a work trip to just hit the streets ourselves and get lost in Tokyo. And that's the best thing to do. So if you and I are going there tonight and you, there's one meal, we get one meal in Tokyo tonight. What are we eating? Well, see, this is the thing. I mean, about any world cuisine of the world, but I find Japan to just be so completely detail oriented that, you know, when we eat Japanese food here, yes, we either go for ramen or maybe we go, you know, we go for ramen or we go for sushi or we go for, you know, sort of a izakaya, which is sort of their bar, snacky, pub food. But when you are in Japan or in Tokyo, every restaurant is more or less a specialty at one thing. Like you can go for just tempura mm -hmm. or just grill, just izakaya, or just going for tapenyaki or um, whatever it is. So it's sort of endless, but I, that's what's so dizzying. So I almost always ate more than one thing in a night. You can't just go to one place if I'm taking you for one night. Oh, that's um, so fun. Because you can just go and have, you know, great cocktails in one place. And then you go for just, you know, yakitori, and then you go for just tempura, and then you go for some sushi. And the other thing about, I can see this is where it happens. This is where I start just going off on a tangent about Tokyo. I am here for um, it. I'm so here for thank it. Thank you. But the thing about it is you end up, the, the other thing about Japan is that it does every other cuisine in the world so beautifully as well, because they go so deep and they really do believe in really studying and learning and mastering their craft. So they're really, you know, they, they are incredible at pastry. They have an obsession with sweets and pastry. The pastry in Tokyo, including the European sort of Western style pastry, the French pastry is unbelievable there and dessert culture. But, you know, so is Italian food there and so many others, Chinese food for sure. That said, I would only take you for, for Japanese food. And I would probably take you for like a true omakase at a sushi counter where you don't speak the language and you walk in and there's a counter of six or eight people only and you are just completely at the mercy of the chef. And um, we had that experience on our first time going to Tokyo where, you know, you can't even read the menu and we were in a place where there were very few Westerners and we sat down and just threw up our hands and ended up having one of the greatest meals of our lives. Oh. I love this. This is, Chelsea was like, I think this is going to be like your favorite topic. And she's right. This is a really <laughs> oh, good, good one. Okay. I love this.
Carla Hall. I, I was um, afraid that I was going to be late for your call. I'm like, oh, I have five minutes, so I'm making this ice cream cake. Can I show you my ice cream cake? Yes, Hold on. show okay, us everything. Show you my ice cream cake. So, uh, so when I, I had five minutes, and I've been working, I'm doing this for my um, my stepson. So I had this ice cream cake, and I had this Whoa. caramel, like right. Right. Oh, is it stuck? That looks amazing. So it's like you've got vanilla, then cake, then chocolate ice cream. Um, so it's a chocolate cake, vanilla ice okay. cream, chocolate cake, and then I had this ganache because I had an, oh, I had nice. I didn't feel like going to the store to get more ice cream, so right. I, I put ganache. Um, but I made it with sour cream, so it feels like chocolate ice cream. Yes. Um, and then I was like, wait, I have some caramel. So I was like, oh, let me put caramel on here. And then I think I'm gonna top it with some toasted shaved almonds and some yes. crumbled cookies. Yes. Like, oh, Dang it. What a lucky oh. duck. That I know, and I'm like, so this is yummy. not on my plan. So I'm all about um, <laughs> making it for other people. I also am a big fan of cooking food for other people so that you also aren't the one eating it. That is hilarious. Right. So I have been, hence my jars, because yes. I have been making these care packages for people, like random, like random, yeah. and sending them all over the country. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. So I sent one to Val Warner, who's on Windy City Live in Chicago. And then I sent one to Yvette Nicole Brown out in LA. And then um, my agent saw me making some said, Oh, that looks really great. I was like, Oh, I'll just send it to you. It's not a part of my plan. But I, I just started collecting all of these things that I'm making in demo. So yesterday I was making hot chicken, like fried chicken and, oh, and wow. carrot salad. But I, I had chicken pot pie, I made biscuits, I had greens, I had caramel, I had Linzer cookies, and I just put it into a box like I'm the grandmother you know, sending these care packages. <laughs> wow. Well, okay, wait, I have, I have many questions about this. First, I want to start with, did you make the caramel that's in the jar? Is that why it's yes! in the jar? I made the caramel. You're yes, I made the homemade? caramel. Yes. Whoa. Okay. It's an apple cider caramel. Wow. Wait, how do you make an apple cider? How, how does so that you, work? You, you do the sugar. So you uh -huh. do your sugar and I do a little bit of lemon juice. And yep. then once it comes to a boil, once it gets to that beautiful amber color, I dump in apple cider. Wow. And, um, and then I, a stick of butter because it's Because you love yourself. Right. Right. And um, so I do the butter and, and then heavy cream. And then I add ginger um, and cinnamon. So it, it tastes like just like this. Wow. Just a, like a delicious apple cider donut, something that should go with an apple cider donut. Um, yeah. So wow. this is not part of my plan. So as I'm sitting at the sink, I'm like, I got to wash out this jar. Right. And I am like spooning this. Stuff. I'm like, Oh wait, I have a call. I, I, this is how right. I'm busy brown. I'm like, Oh wait, shoot, let me get up. So I'm, I'm literally waiting to like drink this. That is awesome. <laughs> Are you, um, are you, uh, this is going to sound like a very weird question, but I don't know another way to ask it. Are you, uh, like a meat guy? Are you a carnivore? Yes. Are you like, is that a big part of your diet? Yes. Yeah, me too. One and five eighth inch Wagyu ribeyes from a certain farm in Texas. Oh. 
can you reveal the location of the farm no, or would that no, you know in danger not, yeah it's like a secret i don't want it's like it's like it's like <laughs> surfers won't reveal the surf spot <laughs> right I'm like uh-uh right. not revealing it okay um but, oh. okay secret farm and i make my own rub okay i have my own okay. rub which is called the one some people out there who might be listening the brian barksdales and the barton Axes of the world may know exactly what i'm talking about i home deliver those wrap them up and and uh, i make it then i wrap it up in my ziplocs and sort of Put them in mailboxes of friends of mine. Uh, uh, um, it looks like contraband, but it's really just a steak. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds suspect. Um, There's a box of spices in your mailbox. And this is another thing I've learned. Get that steak. I'll rub it down and leave it only, only, only with the paper towel laying over it. So air's getting to it. In okay. the fridge, down low in the bottom of the fridge, not the coldest part of the fridge, down low in the bottom part of the fridge. I'll leave it there for three to seven days. Whoa. Yes, 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 yes. Try that. And so that's like you're aging the beef or We're what are you aging, doing? aging. The air's getting to it. It's starting to cook. It's start, the, 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 the tightness of the tendons are really starting to loosen up. You know, on a ribeye, you have the tenderloin side, the, the, the deckle, it's called. Yeah. The beautiful yep. side that has more fat on it. And then on the other side, yep. the, uh, the New York strip side. I think everyone, mm -hmm. if you like a ribeye, you like that deckle side. You like that. Yeah. Well, this sort of makes the, 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 the time that it sits in the bottom of the fridge, just with getting a little bit of air to it, it sort of makes the New York strip side become more decklish. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it loosens up uh, the New York strip side, the tightness of, of, of that side. Um, and then because it's Wagyu, you've got to cook it long enough to let that fat rear in it when you're cooking it. Uh, but that's my favorite piece of meat. So yes, I am a carnivore. So if you just, I, I, I feel like I'm going to get punched in the face because I do not know the answer and chefs are going to judge me for this. But when you're letting it age in the fridge, in the paper towel, that's without the rub? Or the rub comes right I'll, before we put no, it on the grill? No, the rub, the rub I always put on at least a day before. Oh, man. Okay, I feel like I've been doing this wrong. Well, try putting on your rub. And again, it's an inch and five eighths. So it's a thick piece of meat. It can yeah, handle a rub. Yeah. Now, if you put it, if you put a rub okay. on too thin of a piece of meat for too long, it'll right. overpower it. Just like if you rub a, a piece of meat down in a wet marinade, that vinegar will cook mm -hmm. that meat quickly. And all of a sudden, you're the whole right. thing will be yes. gray. You don't have any blood on the inside. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll do a pretty nice light rub. And if, if I'm going to leave it in the fridge for a while, um, if I'm going, you know, if I'm just like, oh, let's have steaks Friday, I want to get them today, rub them down this afternoon, put them in the bottom of the fridge, let them sit there tonight, all day tomorrow, tomorrow night, all day Friday, and then Friday night. Then we're good. Okay. And so do you, so I never experienced this until I moved to Texas, uh, smokers. Are you a smoker with your, meaning not you smoking, but actually smoking no, the meat? No, I'm not. I have a smoker, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not really a smoker. Um, I tried it a couple of times, very unsuccessfully. Oh, brother loves loves a smoker, but the reason he loves yeah. smokers because it takes so long, and he can sit around and keep chatting and have another beer for like forever. Right. You know, we're very right. us McConaughey's are very good at like you. If if you're not <laughs> if we're not sure you're gonna like our food, you're definitely gonna like it because you're gonna be so damn hungry because the dinner we were supposed to eat at seven, we're actually eating at eleven. <laughs> so you're so right. damn hungry, but right. it's great. You know, so we yeah we you'll eat anything. And the last that last steak, the la the late the latest night steak is always the best one anyway. After the grill's kind of cooled down a little bit, and yeah, I'm not a big smoker, but uh, um, uh, for for my meat. 
So we got a burger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got the steak from the secret farm. Yeah, we got the nice pit. I feel like the theme here is is meat. So far, the theme is meat, and I could we could stay Which for a while. Feels fantastic. Um, the New Zealand uh, salmon. Where do you get that? From New Zealand. You personally having it flown in from New Zealand? <laughs> no, you can actually find it. I'll just say this. Okay. You know, you got the. Uh, um, I love salmon, and this New Zealand salmon. Again, it, it, I'll choose. I'd rather have the one that the salmon that has a little bit more fat in it than the what's it called the 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 the, the, the orange one. I forget. Maybe it's a Scottish one that. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Really dark uh, orange, but has no fat. Yeah, that they yes, so and they try and like pass it off. Yes, I know exactly what you're you talking about. Dry, but I can't think of that. You can overcook that in a second. But the uh, the New Zealand salmon is my favorite. Um, and then there's a really good Scottish salmon, but that New Zealand salmon is like. And you're doing that on the grill? Um, no, we usually uh, we do it different ways. I'll I'll I've grilled it. Sometimes we mix it up. I'll poach it. I'll um, um, uh, do it on the out, outdoor grill over fire. I'll do it uh, in the oven. We'll bake it sometimes. I will say this: as far as baking, as far as chicken goes, I'm going bake hmm. over a fire. A whole chicken baked with the right spices is, and then at the end of about two hours at whatever 360, take that lemon foil off, put the broiler on, let's get, or pump it up to 550. Get it crispy. Get crispy yeah. that outside. And then the other trick with all meats, it seems to be, besides maybe fish, but definitely with beef and chicken is, and I make them, I still make this mistake, but let it rest. Yeah. You can ruin a good piece of meat by cutting into it too quickly. That's real. And boy, go let it rest um, and get sort of back down, not to room temperature, but let it let it rest. And know and remember that it's still going to cook. So if you like it medium rare, let me pull it off rare and remember it's going to sit there and keep cooking. Because a lot of things get overcooked because you bring it out medium rare, you want it medium rare, but by the time you let it rest, you hand it to you and it's medium well. Uh, right, okay. Especially with seafood. Have you ever done your, your salmon on a cedar plank? Yes. Love it on a cedar. Yes, yes that's cedar. my favorite. Love it on a cedar. Banana leaf. Oh no. Okay. Okay. Get, too. get it. Um, and it's it will sort of steam it because you can lay it on one and then lay another one on top, and if you can kind of noose the ends, tie the ends, so it becomes sort of a uh, it it cooks in its own juices in the banana leaf, but it also steams in there. That's a really beautiful. Nice. Have you ever done a salt crusted fish? Yes. Where the whole thing yes. is covered in salt. You are surprisingly fancy cooking. Well, we did the world know this about you? These things out. I mean, those, I guess the runs, and you get it if you get a good, fun cookbook. You know, right. that's another thing. I got to remember some of the names because we have a couple of really good ones that are our go-to's. I mean, boy, isn't it fun to find a cookbook that you go? I, you know, you can find five, six, seven recipes that you're like, I love that one. Is, is a big ritual in my life. And anyone that knows me attributes being with Lorraine with tea in some capacity, at least the, the people in my, in my personal life. I'm not even sure. I come from a tea culture. I'm a colonized creature. So I come from the Caribbean and we were colonized by the French, the Spanish, and then the British for a very long time. So that whole tea culture came to us from, from India, among other places. And so I've always been a tea drinker, but 
I think in my in my sort of adult years, I've become a bit of a tea fanatic. Mm. I think a few. I think in my twenties, I used to be a, a a serious coffee drinker, and then I had migraines, and so it was one of the things I had to stop. And so it was a natural sort of shift to tea. But now, oh gosh, I mean, I I have a pot and 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 right and it's not staged. It really is. It, I have tea every day and I have different teas for different times of day and I have tea rituals that start my day and end my day. And so what would you like to know about? Well, so I have so many follow-up questions actually. So first, I'm curious, do you have a collection of different teapots and tea cups and is that part of the ritual of, of this experience for you? Oh yes. Okay. Oh yes. Oh very much so. Oh gosh, yes. Okay. I have I have oh gosh. Oh my gosh. I have teapots for different moods. <laughs> I have teapots for different different activities. I will choose between particular teacups and so and I'm a big teacup and saucer girl. It's almost it isn't tea unless it really is in a sauce with a teacup and a saucer. Wow. I'm really fanatical about the whole saucer thing too. That's the bread in me. This teapot, like this, this tea, and people give me gifts of teapots and teacups. I, I often go to antique stores and I will give teacups and saucers as just gifts to friends or you, as a dinner party you go and you, they get teacups and saucers. And so I, my daughter will tell you, for example, the last time we went to Paris, which was a few years ago, that you know most people go they buy shoes and couture wear and i spent an entire afternoon in a tea shop she was oh so bored <laughs> um, but i had i loved i had tea tastings and by the time we started talking about the different kinds of teas in the shops and and tea people are fanatical so that you start talking with tea with tea people it's not like American tea at all, the for me, <laughs> and I'm going to sound a little crazy. I know that the 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 water has to be boiled. Okay, I don't, it it can't be hot. It's not about hot water because hot water is subjective. Okay, the temperature of boiling water is not is math. So. <laughs> So funny. This is so... And, and I can taste the difference. Right. I can taste the difference. I, I hate that I can taste the difference. Um, tepid tea is like nails on a board for me. It's like um, awful. Right. Um, and so the ritual of it to make a, a proper cup of tea for me is you boil the water and you heat the pot. You must heat the pot. Well, how do so you even heat a pot? This is like you are you are blowing my mind right now. I know, I know. No, it's, I you don't understand. I, I do love it, it, and I do it. I, I do it automatically. I have a so, nightly tea ritual. It's actually really sacred in my life, but it is not anywhere. So I so I'm laughing because I'm like I'm about to steal everything you're saying. Like I have my grandpa's kettle. 
And every single night I make a cup of tea in my grandpa's kettle. And it's a very sacred practice because he was so special in my life and he's gone to heaven, but it's like a, it's a, it's a thing every single night. And so, but never have I thought about having like a special teacup and I definitely don't have a saucer. So I tell me all the things I'm here for this. And all tea rituals are sacred and all of them are terrific. And so mine is just a little perverted. That's all. <laughs> uh, you pour hot water in the pot and you actually oh. just swirl the pot so that you heat the pot. It's all sense. about the temperature and the color because I'm a black tea drinker primarily. Okay. I'm just starting to really enjoy green teas, but I do milk with my tea, right? And so you heat the pot and, you know, you also heat the, the strainer if it's a metal strainer. So then anything that's going to absorb the heat of the water, I make sure it's the same temperature as when I actually start to brew the tea. So smart. And, and then I heat the cup so that when I pour the hot water into the cup so that my cup is also really hot yes. and warm and lovely. And so because it's black tea primarily, then the cream and the milk that is used, it's really important. And because I'm a colonized creature, I come from the Caribbean where we have a tradition of, I'm very particular, it, it'll sound weird, but I do evaporated milk in my tea because it's thick and creamy and mm. it's got a little bit of sweetness to it. Yes. So um, without doing branding, I have a can right here. <laughs> Not, I will pour it into a, a milk server, but. I'm talking to you, and so it's right here on my desk. Your Faves Faves is hosted by me, Rachel Hollis. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller, with production support from Sterling Coates. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Your Faves Faves is a 3% chance production.